The 2018 tax season has officially begun. Taxbit automates your entire tax filing process by linking up with your exchanges and wallets, running your transactions through their tax engine, and auto-generating all of your tax forms. 2018 was a tough year for most crypto users. Taxbit will help you recoup some of your losses by producing the tax forms you need to claim your tax refund. Sign up today using the promo code CRYPTOBUD to receive a 10% discount and a 100% money-back guarantee that your taxes will be taken care of this tax season. Hello everybody. In this video, I'm going to talk about the ultimate bull case for Bitcoin. For the last several years, we've been talking about Bitcoin's ultimate value proposition, coming down from a store of value to a payment system to a hedge against many different um, institutional flaws in the world economy. But after 2017, it's come to my attention that Bitcoin's ultimate value is not right now. It's not the price action. And it is definitely not buying a Lambo. It is what's going to happen in the future. Before I embark on this on this video, I want you to think about what actually caused Bitcoin to rally from $200 to $20,000 in just the last five years. And also what allowed Bitcoin to rally from zero all the way to $1,000 back in 2008, 2009. Uh, and moving forward, what it would take for Bitcoin to continue running. Now, in every single instance, in every single bull case, there was a fundamental difference of what was going to happen in the future. And in today's video, I'm going to reveal some of my thoughts about where I think the future is going to be. Bitcoin's price is going to be dependent upon future events. It is not dependent on past events and is not dependent upon present events and let alone news that is frankly irrelevant. It's going to depend on what the landscape is going to be in the near term. And all I can say is that it will be a very, very different landscape. So stick with me in the next couple of minutes as I explain the ultimate bull case for Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency market in general. Before we dive in, I want you to take a look at this chart real quick. This is the federal government's debt held by the public sector as a share of US GDP. When people look at this chart, and like you should right now, you should be shocked. Because as you can see, starting from 1969, the amount of debt that the federal government has had, US government specifically, has been steadily increasing, and not linearly, but exponentially. This economy has been filled, you fueled by debt, not by productivity, not by innovation, but by debt. And yes, the product of many of these has been some sort of tech revolution. However, if you take a look at the overall trajectory of this, it's only a matter of time before GDP and debt are going to be at 100%. Now we're currently close to 100. We're probably about maybe 70 or 80 percent uh, percent debt, and it's projected by 2029 it should start approaching that 100 percent. Now this is important to understand because in an economy that is really based on federal debt, there comes a point when the fiat currency is going to be is going to get devalued because the debt payments are going to be too high. 
Bitcoin is in a very specific, in a very, very good position to counter this. Because as the federal government begins to tack on more debt using either tax cuts or uh, running budget deficits, the value of that currency, of the U.S. currency, or of any currency in any other country, especially if they follow this exact plan, will be ultimately the fuel to the fire that's going to allow Bitcoin to run. Now, this is actually something that really scares me. Because if you take a look at it, nowhere in the history of the United States, aside from the Great Depression in the 1920s, 30s, did we actually have a GDP that was approaching that 100%. And how that's going to get resolved, there's only one way out. Now, moving along to a secondary piece of evidence is going to be the U.S. Fed funds rate that ran up from 1954 to 2011. And currently, this uh, Fed funds rate has edged, edged higher a little bit to about 2%. Now, I want you to pay close attention to the 1980-1982. This was when we had that massive gold run and the massive interest rate hikes that happened uh, during 1976 all the way till the end of, I'd say, 82. The reason why this is important is because during that time, the United States actually faced a major, major threat of inflation. In fact, Gold prices skyrocketed and silver prices skyrocketed. Now, coincidentally, Bitcoin's birth was really around the same reasons for why gold and, and silver ran up back in 2008, 2009. It was kind of tied up to the financial system. So the question really becomes is as the federal, as the U.S. government begins to raise the interest rates, well, the Federal Reserve specifically, will we get a repeat of 1980 and I believe that in somewhere down in the future not tomorrow not next week not next month but somewhere down the road in a couple of years from now we're going to be facing the exact same dilemma maybe it's not going to be exactly the same trajectory but the outcome is going to be the same as the dollar was devalued back in 1976 and the the link between gold and the US uh, decoupled the run on the currency started and this really became a, a critical time because at that time um, commodities specifically were pretty much bid up in price now in order to understand what's going to happen in the future we need to understand what's actually happening what happened in the past now in the past, Social Security and entitlement programs have been a huge part of the fiscal policy for the United States. In fact, this has been a thorn in the side for current administrations and will continue to be a drag on the overall economy. Because the entitlement programs are taking a larger and larger chunk of U.S. federal spending, where healthcare is taking up 25%, Social Security is taking 24%, total combined we're taking about almost half the pie. What's going to happen is the government will have to eventually run some form of deficit. Now, total entitlement and total debt and spending is $3.7 trillion 2015. Now, this is actually projected to be a lot higher with Social Security and healthcare getting larger and larger. Now, the question you want to ask is how are they going to pay for this? And as we already heard from the Federal Reserve and from, you know, newscasts and everywhere in terms of how they're going to do that, they're targeting about a 2% inflation rate for this. Now, 
I don't have to really explain to you what the ramifications are when we get a massive federal spending program that's sucking up half of the actual federal spending and we have a federal reserve that is bent on uh, easing up interest rates but on top of that maintaining a two percent inflation rate basically means that they're going to start devaluing that currency at some point now the problem here is that there is no solution for social security and healthcare. period unless the older generations decide to forgo what they were promised which i find that to be very very low so the government's going to be in a bind either a you cut the entitlement benefit programs or two you find a way to fund them without raising people's taxes now in both situations you're putting a very difficult decision and the people who are going to pay for this are going to be the people who are barely entering into the system very similar to a big ponzi scheme and the usual victim is going to be the currency that it is denominated in in this case US dollars so when you're looking at something like entitlement programs where have really no real let's just say um, does not encourage entrepreneurship does not really encourage development of industries but is there to sustain an aging population the writing is on the wall that within by 2029 within 10 years from now you're gonna have a massive massive problem with trying to fund this one way or the other and they will get funded as long as the people in charge keep on uh, getting elected now let's talk about the 70s and how the 70s came up with this inflationary period which I think it's going to bode well for crypto overall in the 1970s the entire stock market basically lost about 40% in about 18 months. We're coming off a period when the equity markets were facing one of the worst times after having the nifty 50s and the social programs that started in the 60s. And as a result, there was uh, a weak economic growth, double-digit employment, unemployment was present. And on top of that, there was high inflation. So overall, you kind of had a double whammy of major problems, structural problems in, t in the entire system. It got so bad in the 70s that the U.S. government went up to raise the interest rates to almost up to 20%. That basically meant that if you put $100 in your bank account, just letting it sit there, you would have yielded 20% by just doing nothing. That's how they were able to figure out how to curve some of this inflation, but it took, it took a lot of pain in the process. Now, currently, if you take a look at what's happening in the market, we don't, we're not getting the inflation that happened in the 70s. In fact, we're, you can argue that we're actually in a deflationary period, but if you take a look at how prices have gone up, we're almost like at the tipping point of what could happen. And because of that, the 70s, this entire period was really marked with a massive shift in the overall bond market and how people were putting in their money now the, the common blame here is saying who was to blame so in the mainstream media people play people blame and the government officials even blamed OPEC uh, saying that people were um, 
charging and they were gouging people on on oil prices there was a speculation that was running rampant greedy businessmen were uh, taking advantage of the poor and trying to corner the market and so that was a narrative that was kind of spewed out in order to cover some of the problems that were happening structurally now this is actually very 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 simple very similar to what's happening right now in 2019 First, if you turn on the news, it's always been about, you know, the top 1%, how people have said that the 1% are responsible for so many of these problems. Um, they, the banks are to blame. All the banks are the ones who are stiffing everybody, charging them fees, you know, um, giving them like crappy mortgages. They also are attacking uh, capitalism as a whole, indicating that capitalism is the cause of this, that greed is bad. And then there tends to be, if you take a look at the political landscape, it's beginning to shift more to the left. A lot of liberalism of raising minimum wage and policies that generally are, are more restrictive um, dealing with more government regulations. Now, I'm not saying that the 70s and today are exactly the same, but what I'm noticing here are patterns that are beginning to emerge and become, becoming more apparent as the year goes on. Now, this is setting up the stage for the next 10 years, especially if these, if these things do happen like the way I think they're going to happen, for a situation where we may get something very similar to the 70s. Now, moving along to the real reasons for why the 70s ended up with the way it was, was because the government literally ran massive budget deficits despite being a Republican Party right we're talking about Nixon here in fact when Richard Nixon was was in charge he really kind of um, changed the course of the US economy in many different ways uh, the first one was uh, the, he nominated all these people who couldn't really handle the economy the first one was John Connolly uh, which was basically Nixon's Treasury Secretary and after you know a couple of bouts in the job he was eventually he eventually filed personal bankruptcy Nixon was more on the Keynesian economics um, this idea that government can run huge deficits during recessions and depressions to move the government out and this is actually very similar to what happened with Brent Bernanke during 2008-2009 trying to avoid the depression by increasing uh, government spending and running these deficits by giving the banks these bailouts so that it doesn't freeze up the economy and again looking back in hindsight it actually did well for the economy because we could have gone you know we could have gone to a worse in, uh, situation but this idea that you're running you're running you're using government to pretty much patch up the economy eventually leads up to distortions in the entire market now, moving along, and I'll kind of explain this in a nutshell because it starts to kind of make a little bit more sense for why cryptocurrency is going to have one of its massive booms uh, in the next couple of years, is that when Nixon actually did this, he actually did a couple of things besides running government deficits. In the 70s, uh, for those of you guys who were, who were uh, born there or maybe who were um, aware of that, he instituted price controls, wage controls, basically uh, capping how much you can you have to pay people, uh, and also price controls, meaning you can't raise certain prices just to curb inflation a little bit. Uh, eventually, it led up to double-digit inflation, as we already know. But the effect was actually much, much bigger. 
during 1971, there was a run on the gold market. In fact, people were actually redeeming their money for gold. I mean, you could actually do that with U.S. currency. U.S. currency was actually backed by gold. So you can go up to a bank and say, hey, you know, I got $5 here. Give me $5 worth of gold. But then what happened was everybody started to, you know, dump the, the dollar and then cash in the gold. And in order to stop that, what Nixon basically did was decouple the dollar from the actual currency itself. That way people wouldn't, you know, pull out all the gold in the U.S. reserves. And that actually started this fiat currency piece. From 1971 and on, the world now became all fiat based on what they called the petrodollar. And so if you think about the history of the dollar and its strength of the dollar, it was always backed by something until 71 when we had this idea of fiat currency. Now, I really want to emphasize this point because <clears throat> a lot of people, when they look at Bitcoin, they look at it as a store of value. And the question is, why do people look at it as a store of value? And the reason why was because this. Uh, up to 19, up to 2008, 2009, there has not been an alternative to the U.S. dollar. If you wanted to go to any currency in the world, they basically decoupled everything from the gold market. And because of that, the U.S. currency was the top dog in the fiat currency world. Technically, it still has value because it is actually considered to be a petrol dollar. You can actually buy oil with it, which is a critical component in many of the developed countries. So the fact of the matter is that, yes, gold is not necessarily coupled with that, but petroleum is. So if you wanted to buy oil, everything is priced in U.S. dollars. And that is a huge asset because many countries need, almost all, all major countries and developed countries need oil. Now, the day when that gets decoupled, then that's when you probably will have less demand for the for the, for the dollar. I personally think that you know there's there's a lot of other pieces here, but I'm kind of trying to simplify it as much as I can. Is that the problem now? Is that we fast forward it about 30 years in the future, 40 years in the future, and now we're facing a situation where uh, people may be dumping their currencies because of this potential inflationary um, head that may rear that may come along. So let's talk a little bit about what happened right after that. So after this whole 70s debacle, um, in order to get reelected uh, uh, and this fear of a recession. Now, again, you know, looking at parallels between 2019 and, and, and 1970 is that Nixon did not want to have a recession. And so what he did was because if we had a recession during his reelection campaign, uh, it would have looked really bad. So what he did was he basically pressured the Federal Reserve to lower the interest rates. Now, does that sound familiar to what's happening right now? By lowering the Federal Reserve, the Fed rates, he kept the punch bowl going, which means people were automatically still going to spend whatever needed to spend. He then fired the Federal Fed Chair, William, William McKenzie, and then, uh, and then succeeded by Arthur Burns. Then what he did was he pressured Arthur Burns to continue the low cheap money and promote short-term speculation and loan growth. Obviously, the voters thought that this was good, and then they casted their ballots. The end result was basically they allowed the inflation to start. And this has been one of the major sticking points for the Federal Reserve is well, how do you balance between unemployment and inflation? The Fed stance in 1970 was pretty clear-cut. It was inflation is okay, unemployment is not okay. So we don't really care if we devalue the currency as long as people have jobs. 
And so they actually ended up with an inflation rate of 8.8 .8 to 12% per year. That means your, your dollar was losing 10 cents every single year uh, at some point. And the consequence of that is eventually it popped away to 14% and then unemployment rose as a result. Again, the blame was on OPEC and speculators and greedy businessmen, but that's basically what the, the context of what that happened. And so when you're dealing with double digit inflation, then that's when you're dealing with that. Now let's go back and talk about Bitcoin real quick. Over the last several months, we've had a major correction in the cryptocurrency, not just in Bitcoin, but in the altcoins and in many of these different projects. And we've seen what happens when you have poor projects coming on board and not delivering their product. Bitcoin's hash rate has risen from March of 18 all the way to November, peaking around November 8, 2018, and then dropping down um, to December and then rallying back up. Now, the reason why this is important is because like all speculation and all speculative markets, you always are going to have some sort of drawdown where you wash out maybe some of the miners that were not really, you know, contributing to the network or perhaps they were doing it for the wrong reasons. But case in point is I've noticed that the hash rate for Bitcoin has begun to rise and that kind of coincidentally has led to a rise in its price. Now, the question here is that, is this going to be a sustainable rally? Is this something where uh, Bitcoin's price is going to continue going higher? And my short answer to this is that whenever there's a positive correlation with the hash rate, and yes, granted 2018 was a down year and the hash rate did go up, but whenever you start seeing a pickup in the hash rate, there usually, it usually precludes some sort of movement. Now, let's kind of tie all of back together here. Bitcoin's peer-to-peer -peer cash and the overall idea of cryptocurrency really stemmed from this idea of using alternative uh, currency to the US dollar or to any fiat currency. As I outlined before in this video, it was very clear that we most likely are going to be heading in the exact same path as we did in the 70s. It may not exactly happen in the, in the same sequence of events. But the fact of the matter is we've had a 10-year run with Fed monetary policy interfering with the entire global economy. Bitcoin really was born from a almost a financial disaster. And it would be ironic if we would actually have another financial disaster and Bitcoin being again the savior for that. I believe that the next run for Bitcoin is not going to be technological. I think it's going to be more of a fear. We had that fear run from 2008, 2009, when Bitcoin ran up from zero to $1,000. And the, the fact of the matter was, uh, people were genuinely afraid that this economy was going to collapse. Now, what allows Bitcoin to really stand out from all other fiat currencies has nothing to do with the fact that it's been here for 10 years. That's actually a good thing but it has more to do with the fact that it's going to be the only currency standing when this entire house of cards falls apart. Now I'm not looking for tomorrow, the next week or next month. What I'm looking for is 10 years out. What would that look like in 2029 when the deficits are ballooning in all countries, not just the US and Bitcoin is the currency that only has 21 million coins out there and is accepted in all major countries with exchanges that are liquid. 
what's probably going to happen is that when the day happens, Bitcoin will definitely outperform all other currencies. The value proposition for Bitcoin is really not about what you're paying right now. But the question is going to be is what will Bitcoin cost you in the future when these governments begin to start um, not honoring their word and pushing inflation up just to maintain employment. In fact, I've noticed really I've noticed something that very peculiar. Everybody's okay now with an inflation rate of 2%. I've never been in a situation where a government would say or a entity would say that inflation is actually good. Um, that by allowing inflation to occur, you keep the system continuously growing. At some point, the chickens are going to come home to roost. Now, in the meantime, Bitcoin may be out of favor and the cryptocurrency market is probably one of the worst markets to invest or trade. But there will come a time when a lot of these questions that I have right now of how they're going to balance this budget, how are they going to pay for these programs, will come again. And the only thing that's going to save this economy is not going to be inventing another gadget or another technological revolution it's going to be to use what it's already existing and that's what caused bitcoin really to move in the way it did and i strongly believe that unless there is some sort of drastic change to the physical policy of every country specifically the united states i don't think that i think that the bright the future is going to be very bright so stick with me next couple of years as we begin to follow this saga and I may be definitely wrong uh, in regards to how this market's going to evolve but all I know for a fact is that what goes up must come down. Alright guys well hopefully you enjoy this video share like and subscribe and check out Taxbit as your preferred cryptocurrency trading taxes tax offer.